0: Hello, cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Jake, Jake Jabarelli. Uh, this is episode 447. Blockchain Dunn is here, but he's not quite here, so don't worry about him. He's going to grunt in the background whenever he's ready to say something, because his voice is gone, and he sounds like a, like a weirdo. So, let's get on to the news with Crypto Twitter. This week on Crypto Twitter, Musk and Dorsey text leaked, leaked, do Kwon pleads further innocence. No, don't hurt me. I'm just a just a poor billionaire. Oh, no. <clears throat> Let me boost this up so it's bigger so people can see it on YouTube video on their phones. All right. Bitcoin and Ethereum managed to escape a broader slide this week as the market briefly reclaimed a trillion dollar market. Capitalization, XRP, Cardano, Chainlink, and Cosmos posted the biggest losses among the 20 leading currencies, but they're still doing okay. This week began on crypto Twitter with Ukraine DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization that has so far raised millions for Ukraine's defense and relief work since the start of the Ra- that, that, that invasion with Russia, right. Tweeting that it's up uh, Iran uh, that's setting up an IranDAO to support Iranian women many of whom have been protesting against Iran's Islamist regime since the death of the activist Masha Amimi in police custody on September sixteenth. Here is a tweet about the Ukraine DAO and Iranian DAO. The day hacker Corbin Leo made the elusive white pardon, elusive world of white hat hacking a little more transparent. A white hat hacker is typically a cybersecurity vigilante who finds vulnerabilities in code and exploits them, typically in order to claim a bounty for doing so. And here's Corbin Leo's Tweet. Also on Monday, a cybersecurity researcher named James Edwards published a theory that last month's $160 million Wintermute hack was an inside job. Edwards' claims have yet to be corroborated by another blockchain experts, but some believe it's a certain possibility. And here's that tweet thread if you want to read it. On Tuesday, Cameron Winklevoss, who co-founded Crypto Exchange Gemini with his identical twin, Tyler, weighed in on Bitcoin's recent decoupling from the stock market, which we will talk about later. And here is his tweet. Climate journalist Tan Joshi on Wednesday posted a pretty damning observation about Bitcoin's carbon footprint. Ooh, think about all those other things we do with electricity. Anyways, FTX. This week, some big changes happened on the crypto exchange FTX. For a start, Brett Harrison, who joined FTX US as its first president back in May last year, announced he's stepping down already. Wow, it's only been a year. And moving into an advisory role. And here's his tweet thread. Head honcho Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF, tweeted farewell and sounded optimistic for FTX US push. Just a quick little bye, see you later, have fun. Akash uh, uh, Pasrisha, a reporter for tech industry publication The Information, posted a brief analysis of FTX's fresh face team on Friday. And that's a little bit of a tweet thread right there, too. Just got third and fourth tweet. Doquan's still not running. He's still there, and no one's arrested him yet, apparently. Terra CEO Joe Kwan wants everyone to know he's feeling the, he's not feeling the heat from either the fuzz or his own conscience. When headlines emerged earlier this month saying a South Korean court had issued an arrest warrant for him for violating capital market rules while the Ministry of Finance was seeking to void his passport, Kwan reassured followers that he's not on the lamb. Remember, he's, he's Korean. He's not. Lamb would be, you know, a different nationality. On Wednesday, Kwan responded to rumors that he'd tried cashing out $67 million in Bitcoin a day after the warrant was issued. And here's his tweet. "What probably I'm going to read this. What probably has been the most surprising in all of this is the amount of misinformation that gets spread. Dang it, I didn't do that. Okay, stop talking about me. Elon's Twitter saga. Tesla and SpaceX CEO, if you didn't already know, Elon Musk is currently knee-deep in a lawsuit filed against him by Twitter surprise, surprise, for trying to back out of his deal to buy the social media platform. You know, that's one of the first times that a man like Elon has backed out of anything. Just look at how many kids he has. As part of the legal discovery process, courts have released over 100 pages of correspondence between Musk and various others, including Twitter's Bitcoin-loving co-founder, Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk had this little bit of about here. Turns out even CEOs need help with their homework sometimes. Twitter user Sat, uh, Santosh Kumar took a cynical view of Musk's brevity. <laughs> not enough tweeting there. Mr. Mr. Twitter buyer. Hmm. Hmm. Anyways. Yeah, that's uh, not a whole lot of news. Some very not, not some very much interesting news. I think I personally find most interesting is the thing about Bitcoin. Well, I hope we'll get to that. I think we have a no, no, I didn't talk about it. Anyway, so let's move on to coins. Since John will not be speaking, he's grunting. Can you guys hear him in the background grunting? This week in coins. Bitcoin, Ethereum, escape, broader, market, slide. As I said earlier. Let's move back to the top here. This, uh, By the way, Tim Huck, he tends to write these articles. Uh, this is on Decrypt, just as a note. On Tuesday, crypto fleeting, fleetingly remained, regained, rather, a t- trillion dollar market cap the modest gains were wiped out on the following day by a brief crash and coming into the weekend bitcoin and ethereum are both basically flat over the past seven days that's better than some of the other notable names fared in this past week xrp was down five percent in the past week even after an incremental victory in the ripple case against the sec uh, that will allow Ripple's attorneys to see emails about former SEC official Bill Hinman's 2018 speech in which he labeled ETH not a security. Cardano down 7.5% even after its Vasil hard fork. Solana down 5% after the network suffered a three-hour outage on Friday, as they're prone to do. And Doge down 7%, whereas Avalanche down only 5 Not a whole lot of drops, but mostly just sideways movement. Did it, surprises any, that, it surprises me that it
1: surprises me that Cardano's down seven point five percent, man. Considering that they just had a hard fork, I mean, yeah, I guess that's just the result of the bear market. Or is Cardano really a a shit coin that nobody wants to deal with?
0: <laughs> it's weird how much value uh, Cardano has, and yet still has no value. It's this, you know, multi-billion-dollar valued coin, mm-hmm. and yet it still doesn't seem to be doing anything. Like, you know, what is
1: it? N- number seven? Number six?
0: Yeah, it's uh, in the top ten. It's been in the top ten for a long time. Um, anyways, did any coins go up? Uniswap uh, enjoyed a rally this week, about nine percent <laughs> in the last week. Uh, reports that Uniswap Labs, the development team behind the leading dex is currently funding talks with one of Singapore's sovereign wealth funds alongside blockchain investment firm Polychain to strike a deal that could give Uniswap a billion-dollar valuation. Is Uniswap essential? I thought it was a DeFi. Anyways, regulations call to regulate the crypto market are getting louder around the world. On Monday, Australia's Central Bank said in a white paper that the country's CBDC pilot should be completed by mid-2023. Wow, that's less than a year away. The pilot, which started in July, uses a blockchain uh, currency called EOD, (laughs) which utilizes JP Morgan's enterprise-grade private variant of Ethereum, Quorum, and at this point will not necessarily lead to a CBDC. The following day, Christine Lagarde of the European Central Bank, the Federal Reserve's Jerome Power, or equivalent thereof, and Bank of International Settlements, General Manager Augustin Carstens, all called for a broader DeFi regulation uh, during an online panel hosted by the Bank of France. During a fireside chat at NYU uh, School of Law that day, Commodity Futures Trading Commission, or CFTC Chairman, Rostin Benham, said that Bitcoin might double in price if if traded in a CFTC-regulated market. The chairman added that the crypto industry had a massive opportunity for institutional inflows that will only occur if there's a regulatory structure. On Wednesday, 33 Paraguayan senators voted to reject President Mario Abdo Benitez's veto of a bill aiming to regulate Bitcoin mining in South American country. In July, Paraguay's legislator approved the bill to create a clear-cut tax and regulatory framework that would allow miners to know where they stand while operating in the country. That's very interesting additional news that that these senators voted to reject that, the president's veto. So, I guess they really want it. And it's not not necessarily a bad thing. So, yeah, there's the not-so-much change in the market, although we definitely see that um, Uniswap has gained a bit. So, Ethereum killer Solana, which we talked about earlier, suffers another major outage. This is by Jason Nelson, also on Decrypt. A misconfigured node caused Solana Network to stop processing transactions and go offline Friday. The fourth major outage of the blockchain's popular the popular blockchain since January when it had a string of partial outages for most of that month, according to data from Solana. This outage comes one year after a nearly 18-hour outage last September, so about a year ago. Meanwhile, the crushing crypto winner has sent Sol, the number nine coin by market cap, down 81% in 2022. At 7 p.m. Eastern on Friday night, Solana status site, operated by the Solana Foundation, because you know Solana is centralized, it's not decentralized, posted that the network was experiencing degraded performance, and that Solana developers were working on diagnosis, that uh, diagnosing the issue. Shortly after, Solana posted that the network is experiencing an outage and not processing transactions because it's centralized. Mm-hmm. Here's a tweet from them. What was causing the outage? It appears a misconfigured node, probably hacker, uh, caused an unrecoverable partition in the network, probably hackers. The Solana validator behind StakeWiz.com tweeted about the incident. They uh, they translated further the decrypt over Twitter DM. A validator was running a duplicate validator instance, probably hacker, meaning while it it was their turn to produce a block, they produced one from each instance for the same slot. Probably a hacker. Sorry I keep saying that. It's it's pretty glaringly obvious at this point. So some validators saw one block and some saw others and couldn't agree on which one was correct. <laughs> Stakewiz said that Solana uh, codebase should have handled the issue, but for some, re- some unknown reason, it was unrecoverable partition or fork. Hmm. They believe the misconfiguration was an accident. Probably a failed node failover setup. blah, blah 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 blah. Sure, probably hacker. Developers restarted the Solana mainnet uh, main net network at the last confirmed slot of a really long, long number I'm not going to read. At the time of publishing the reboot was 49% completed. The Solana has been down for two hours and 45 minutes. That's a, a posting. What has Solana said about its outages? That's a good question. Solana Labs did not immediately respond to Decrypt's request for comment on this outage, while Solana execs have quibbled in the past with varying tallies in crypto media of the total number of outages. Founder uh, Atali Yakovenko told Real Vision earlier this month that outages have been our curse. If you guys were centralized, you would not have this problem. And pointed out that Bitcoin blockchain has at times in his history had hours between two blocks. Yes, that's true, but it's one of the, it's the grandfather of all blockchain. One of a new of smart contract blockchains hyped as Ethereum killers, Solana, everything that comes out after the main thing is an Ethereum killer, right? Now Solana is a block, popular blockchain for minted, unfungible tokens, NFTs, and decentralized applications. After Ethereum transitioned to proof of stake, now it looks just like Solana, right? It's gonna have the same kind of problems. Solana is now number three proof of stake blockchain by market cap behind Ethereum and Cardano. Like we said before, why is Cardano even in this list? But if it's, not, if it's going to grow and rival Ethereum, the network needs to stay up. Dude, get yourself some uh, Viagra for if, blockchain.
1: If, if you ask me, i've seen I, I know people so that's that's what i'm saying with cardano i don't know anybody i personally don't know anybody that uses cardano
0: i know people own solana it. <laughs> on the other hand
1: yeah yeah but solana on, exactly but solana on the other hand um people use that all the time that i know of mm-hmm. but, yep. uh, having it go down that's that is a problem that's a problem for sure yeah that wouldn't surprise me yeah, th- that wouldn't surprise me if that happens with Ethereum here in the near future
0: at least we have Terra to look to to see what not to do Hopefully. No. Anyways, SEC. This is by Kate Irwin, also on Decrypt. SEC charges crypto firms for alleged scam with gold backed Ethereum DIG token. Hmm? Rot The US Securities and Exchange Commission hasn't forgotten about the 2017 ICO craze, and neither does John. The SEC filed charges on Friday against four men behind Bermudan Company Arbitrade Limited. Canadian firm Crypto Cryptobonics, Bontics Inc., and UAE based Scion Trading for allegedly running a pump and dump currency uh, token scheme worth $36.8 million between 2017 and 2019. The men behind the alleged scam claimed they had $10 billion worth of real gold bullion in a reserve, which would back their Ethereum based crypto token, ironically named Dignity or Dig. Such dignity, certainly. Dig, Dig's makers claim that each of the 3 billion total Dig tokens was backed by $1 worth of gold and that Dig tokens could be redeemed for the gold. The SEC alleged that Troy R. R. J. Hogg, James L. Goldberg, oh, he's got gold in his name, Stephen L. Braverman, and gold trader W. or Max W. w. Barber defrauded Custer Bush by lying about the existence of the gold and pretending to hire accounting firms to audit this gold. According to the SEC filing, DIG was created by Russian developers in 2017. The token was then pumped from May 2018 until January 2019 via false and misleading press releases and press conferences. Yes, all bunch of BS. Notably, DIG was only available for purchase on Russian crypto exchange LiveCoin. Hmm. Very suspect. Well, later shut down in January 2021 due to an alleged rug pull. I mean, hack. Sorry. Rug pull. Hack. I mean, hack. Sorry. Uh, to make matters worse, Hogg, Goldberg and Braverman allegedly sold dig tokens at LiveCoin and artificially inflated prices. Yeah. According to the SEC. The alleged fraudsters, fraudsters, fraudsters have been accused of violating numerous sections of the Securities Act in 1933. Because, you know, that was a long time ago. It's almost 100 years ago. I mean, does that really mean anything anymore? And the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. The SEC wants the accused to pay back all the profits earned or stolen during the alleged scheme as well as additional civil money penalties. The SEC is also seeking an officer and a direct bar against the 4 men a restriction that would prohibit them from ever becoming officers and or directors of a publicly traded company ever again. Yeah. Stop making Ponzi schemes. All right, on to... Michael Saylor's MicroStrategy. MicroStrategy, uh, this is by Andrew Asmakoff. MicroStrategy on hiring hunt, that is they're on a hiring hunt, for Bitcoin Lightning Network engineer. They're looking for someone to do lightning for them. We want lightning, we're already powerful, we need lightning, Thor, thunder, oh no that's thunder, we need uh, Zeus. MicroStrategy, the Virginia based uh, provider of software solutions known for using large amounts of company cash and debt financing to buy Bitcoin is now seeking an engineer for Lightning Network based products. The firm published the vacancy notice for the position on its website earlier this week. As a Bitcoin lightning software engineer at MicroStrategy, will build a lightning-based SaaS platform providing... Is only one guy going to do this by himself or a girl? Uh, enterprises with innovative solutions to cybersecurity challenges and enabling new e-commerce use cases, reads the vacancy announcement. The application sh- uh, applicant should have experience building software solutions leveraging Bitcoin, blockchain, and Lightning Network over the decentralized finance technologies. Contributions to the development of... I'm not going to read this whole thing anyways. Uh, MicroStrategy started its Bitcoin Well, we know who that was. Uh, let's see. Earlier this month, speaking at the Baltic Honey Badger Conference in Riga, Michael Saylor, the former CEO of MicroStrategy, who stepped down, we know that already, uh, said the firm's developers are working on solutions that would allow an, to onboard large numbers of people to the Lightning Network. Hey, awesome. Thanks, Mike. You're doing a great job. Describing Lightning as the most important thing going on in the world in technology. Saylor added that the business intelligence firm is ser- searching for solutions that would enable businesses to roll out Lightning to 100,000 employees every day or opening Lightning wallets for 10 million customers overnight. That's kind of a neat concept. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's trying to do here. But they're only hiring one person. I honestly they should get a team in another... September interview in MarketWatch, Sailor said that his firm was interested in cyberspace and continued to spread Bitcoin. We're going to use our enterprise software skills to do just that. Sailor repeatedly touted the biggest and oldest cryptocurrency as a safe hazen asset and digital gold. Decrypt has re- reached out to MicroStrategy for comment, but have yet to hear anything back. Uh, this is kind of interesting to me. It's, it seems a little ployish like they're like hey look at what we're doing come join us we're trying to do as much marketing advertising as we can um but i know i don't disbelieve that um uh, sailor's on a roll and he really does and he's got a he's got a right idea in my opinion just lightning network is pretty damn awesome right john
1: yeah yeah he's been working on he, that's why he stepped down as uh CEO, CEO of uh, MicroStrategy because yep. he wants to focus more on Bitcoin and the Lightning Network. He's already talked about that. He's already talked about creating his own uh, platform. There's already a, a, a white paper out that he created. So, um, yeah, this is just him taking the next step. He's taking it seriously, which I'm not surprised. This, this, it doesn't surprise me, this, this article. You know, he's, he's one of the guys that uh, if anybody in the crypto space, uh, Mikey is the one that I trust the best.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, I mean, he wouldn't have purchased 130,000 Bitcoin if he didn't mean business. No one else has done that much. <laughs> At least that we know of. So, finally, Andrew Hayward writes, Why Magic Eden is betting on NFTs disrupting the gaming industry? For many crypto advocates, video games offer one of the clearest use cases for NFTs. And I know, I play one of those games. EOS, Upland, buy property, it's pretty cool. They enable a user-owned economy that lets players resell and potentially profit from digital assets. Plus, tokenized, interoperable assets can potentially be used across multiple games on and online worlds. This is where NFTs really come into really cool functionality because it's separate from the company that made it. But there's one big problem. Many gamers absolutely hate NFTs. And I blame BYAC, personally. Not just Axie Infinity, I mean, they had their problems, but it, it wasn't the game's fault. Vocal fans from the traditional gaming space have pushed back against companies like Ubisoft and Teen 17 as they've explored the NFT space, and many viewed the industry as a hotbed for scams and speculation. The environmental impact of NFTs has been a common complaint as well, although the argument is effectively dead following the Ethereum merge. On top of that, some believe that game publishers will simply use NFTs as another way to extract even more value from players. The backlash to NFTs is similar to that levied against free-to-play games and downloadable add-on content when those respective business models were introduced, and now both are widely accepted industry standards. Amid the vitriol, NFT marketplace Magic Eden still sees long-term potential in gaming NFTs. Magic Eden, which launched one year ago was valued at $1.6 billion in June, is leading the marketplace for Solana NFTs and recently expanded into the Ethereum market. On the latest episode of Decrypt's GM podcast, Magic Eden, co-founder and CEO Jack Liu, told co-hosts Daniel Roberts and Stephen Graves that despite the skepticism from players, he believes that NFTs unlock something completely new for gaming developers to build an economy and build a new business model on. It's kind of right if you look at Second Life. eh. Magic Eden has supported a a wide array of NFT-based gaming projects through Uh, Both its launchpad feature and secondary marketplace including upcoming titles like SkateX Mini Royale Nations and BR1 Battle Royale. In July, the firm launched a uh, gaming-focused venture investment arm with an aim to help lure game developers to Magic Eden. Part of the marketplace's approach to build simple integrations um, that developers can put the Magic Eden platform within their games. That way, users can buy and sell NFTs without leaving the in-game experience. Lou admitted that there's so much to unpack around gamers' perceptions of NFTs, including the presence of bad actors in the industry and the increasing financialization of digital assets. Also, as a nascent space built around decentralized technology, it's no surprise that many early NFT-powered games have been simplistic, falling short of some players' expectations. The Ethereum-based Axie Infinity, for example, is the biggest success story in the space with over $4 billion worth of NFT trading volume and the millions of active players at its peak last year. But monster-battling gameplay was also decried for its repetitive nature and the game's play-to-earn economy collapsed amidst growing hype. Also, the game's Ethereum bridge was hacked for $600 million worth of crypto, as we've covered many times on this show. As more and more the veteran game type uh, gamer developers uh, enter the Web3 space and start building, we c- could see richer NFT-powered experiences head, but it may take time. Large-scale video games often take years to build and are supported by sizable development teams. Lou said that his team is waiting for a few diamonds to come to shine. I know, this is what's happening in Dynamos, so it's not that surprising. That is ga- great games that showcase NFT functionality to help spread adoption across the gaming industry. Great games... Take a long time to build. It takes vision, inspiration, a lot of dev time to build that much content. He explained, we are effectively waiting for the most promising game studios to have that time to build out their content and then work out what that secret sauce of how to use MTs is. Lou suggested that once... A few of those so-called diamonds hit the market and thrive. They'll serve as a case study to nudge other developers into the NFT space. He described it as a potential tidal wave that follows the paradigm shifts of the past in the gaming world, such as these shift to free-to-play games. I think, I think John, you made a, a brilliant point about your, your um, NFT to access uh, like a chat room. Um, I think that um, one of the ways I was thinking of it was in the game that I've played for years, Blizzard Warcraft, um, Blizzard Activision, anyways, the Warcraft game that's been online for now almost 20 years, um, is one of those examples of a game that could use NFTs. I'm sure Blizzard will never do it, or at least won't for a long time, if ever they do. Um, but is the thing I was thinking about in particular was not just chat, chat room access, but um, like... Authentication access. Now we talked about this, uh, not just authentication to a particular chat room, which is just one way of looking at it, but like mm-hmm. trustworthiness. Like if you obtain an, an NFT within the game, it took an immense amount of time to either get the, the to, to to acquire, not so much purchase then you'd have this incredibly valuable thing that would attach to you individually, but it would not attach to you as a person so much as your gameplay. And so it would it would recognize, like the way I look at it but in particular is in World of Warcraft, the thing was the legendaries. Legendaries are really difficult to get. Well, they used to be really difficult. Now they're not so hard, but they're still very hard to get in, as far as gameplay is concerned. And I was thinking that in gameplay, that could be something of value. In that sense, getting one of those difficult to obtain legendary items could and it's absolutely worth a lot of money particularly for players who play really really high-end stuff and then they want to be able to change their characters like if you played a character up like a world of warcraft character um to a really really high level you can't not according to the terms of service sell that account and sell that character to somebody who has no skill and just wants the character um and why not make that something that people could do now I know that the reason that Blizzard doesn't like doing it is because they don't like having to involve the outside economy in their inside economy because then it kind of unbalances for people who just don't have money. Um, but I think that in a proper a proper NFT market that could be an immense immense boon to the industry. So I do agree with uh, Jack Lew on this ideal. So that's all we got for today's uh, Sunday. The second of October, twenty twenty-two, episode four hundred and forty-seven. Let me just point out the uh, coin tree list here. If you guys appreciate our content, please be uh, free. F- feel free to donate through many of the various types here: Bitcoin, Ethereum, BAT, Litecoin, Flux, Monero, USDC, Doge, SNX, Cake, Stellar, Matic, and check us out on Discord, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Spotify. Of course, you could be watching us on Twitch, YouTube. But we also recommend Odyssey because it is blockchain-based media, and there's no ads. Also, Coinbase, Gemini, Cash App, etc., 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 all kinds of ways you can get in contact with, as well as Reddit at the very bottom. And if you'd like, you can purchase one of our great, awesome t-shirts, StackSats and Hodl, as well as Diamond Hands, and then our company logo t-shirt, Stack Sets, and Hodl, with the... Uh, script on the back. So, as we always say at the end of the show, and I'm sorry John can't participate today because he's feeling a little of the weather. Thank you all for listening. Stack, sats, and huddle. Uh, adios!